Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we are talking about Season 7, Episode 6, The Newly Dreads. I can't believe we're already six episodes into this season. I know. Both of us were convinced that we were only on episode four or five. Like, Which is weird because we really like this season. Where is the time gone? I don't know. I just don't know. So for those of you at home and our listeners in Missouri, this episode is not about some people who nearly got married and also wear dreadlocks. I was very confused by that as well. Um, it is instead about how newlyweds are... Dreadful. Dreadful. Which is also factually accurate. That is true. They are disgusting. Yeah. Never be a newlywed. Always just just be married. Just be married. Just be married the whole time. The right solution is to secretly get married and not tell anyone and then get married properly so that when you're a, quote, newlywed, you've been legally married for months by then. That's what I'm going to do. I don't know that that would actually solve the problem of being absolutely and utterly gross, but... Yes, but in my life, I'm clearly going to be gross from, like, day one. That's true. You are a lesbian. Yeah. I'm pretty much like immediately in a newlywed phase as soon as I start dating someone. Yeah, and it's annoying. Okay, cool. So we're <laughs> just going to go ahead and pass on the opportunity to comment on Matthew's lesbianism and instead do the episode description. Scissors. No. Okay, so Will convinces Jack to aid a local gay bookstore owner to save his store from closing. So, in classic Will and Grace fashion, the title has nothing to do with the A-plot. Yeah, which is weird, because, like, it is clearly the A-plot. Yeah. So, and I think that's the plot we wanted to talk about first. Yeah, I Um, agree. So, basically, the, the description kind of covers it. There is a gay bookstore that, um, Will takes Jack to for reasons unknown reasons it's not they don't explain why in the plot they they just are going there's like well this is a place that will's going and jack is with him so Uh uh-huh and then you know they're discussing it's sort of historical um significance as part of the gay rights movement jack has been touched there yes he's like oh i have fondled memories of this place (laughs) and will is like don't you mean fond and he's like oh yeah those two um which is fun for everybody um i guess and, uh, but then while they're shopping, they, uh, uh, learn that the bookstore is closing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sad. Yeah. It's a real bummer. Um, I think this is actually maybe the gayest episode of Will and Grace of all time. This was an extremely gay episode of Will and Grace. Can Two s- characters openly identify as queer and like save another queer industry. There were three whole queer people in this episode. I know. And none of them were trying to have sex with each other. I know that. I think... Some, That's a record. Somehow Will and Grace always seems to be gayer when there isn't a romantic subplot. Yes. That's so true, though. Isn't that, like... Well, because, you know, Will's not allowed to have a romantic subplot in Yeah, I mean, seasons. he has a boyfriend now, but he doesn't appear in this episode. Yes, that's true. Which is also kind of weird, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Well, it's not like... I mean, I'm pretty sure Vince is, like, a beat cop. I don't think he has, like... A salary. He could patrol. He could be a security guard. I don't know. I mean... Maybe he also has been fondled. Perhaps Vince is aware of the tenuous and often tense relationship between the LGBTQ community and law enforcement. Does that sound like Vince to you? He's been to therapy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. fucking enlightened, man. (laughs) Vince knows all. Vince is the most well-rounded character on this show. I mean, you're not wrong, but the bar is so low, Tess. You're so right. The bar is so low. I mean, in this episode, Jack literally is, like, convinced to help the bookstore because Will is like, 
we have to do it. You're a network executive and I'm a lawyer. And Jack's like, yeah, you're right. We have to do it. And, like, clearly has not thought it through at all. Yeah, his commitment is literally just because Will was like, Jack, we should do the thing. And he was like, okay. I agree. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so... So they decide to save this bookstore. They decide they're saving the bookstore. And um, they host an event. Uh-huh. And the event is, like, a fundraising opportunity. Um, it's very kind of, like, unclear what the point of the event, honestly, is. I think the point is that we only have 22 minutes to resolve this plot line and we have to share this plot with another two characters. Yeah, I think so. But like, they're having some kind of an event and upon the middle, like through the middle of this uh, conversation about the attempt to save the bookstore, we learn that the bookstore is going to be bought out and remodeled into a gym which is like the gayest complication of all time yes and so for the astute listener at the very 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 beginning of the episode there is a bit of a throwaway line with will and grace complaining about how their gym is so far away that they don't ever want to go because it's a workout to get to their workout i feel that and so now this is like the world's most gay wrinkle ever <laughs> where it's like, oh, the queer community or oh, my body. <laughs> and like the episode even kind of spells it out a little bit. There's a moment in which Will acknowledges the slur. Like, not, no, it's not Will. It's Linus, the bookstore owner. Linus, the bookstore owner is literally the best part of the episode. Linus, the bookstore owner is genuinely a national treasure. And <laughs> if he was a real person, he would have a statue built to him. Absolutely. By me. Yes. I would I would build him a statue. You'd be building it from the ground up. I would. With Lincoln Logs. Yes. It's an abstract sculpture. Yeah, obviously. Right. I'm not very good at like life sculpting. Also, Lincoln Logs are very square. And easily stackable. Yeah. But so Linus is sort of like getting into this whole like cultural commentary on the sort of like implicit narcissism of being a gay man in the 90s and early Mm -hmm. 2000s and how like the presupposition that like putting a gym in a gay neighborhood means it's going to be very well received but at the same time we're watching Will just be like but a gym in my neighborhood? Hot take. So Linus has a lot of lines that feel like intellectual critiques of gay pop culture. Is this the second episode this season where Will and Grace is casually like What's the word I'm looking for? Casually dunking on itself? A little bit. Here's, okay. Like, before we had, like, the the pop culture dunk, and now we have, like, an intellectual dunk on Will and Grace? Yeah, it's very, very interesting to sort of see this sort of, like, intra-community commentary that's uh-huh. happening. Um, because it seems very much so like an insider's point of view. It's, yeah. And that's very unusual for this show, because Will and Grace is so often, like, try- I think for the most, Overall, the thesis of the show in the early mm-hmm. half of it, not half, but like the early years of its run was sort of just like, gays, they're just like us. Right. And the these this episode and the episode where they featured the introduction of Out TV mm-hmm. um, have both really kind of played with more of the like internal gay community conflict. Sure. Like and, now it's like gays, they have unique and different interests than straights. Yeah. And that's very, very different for us to mm-hmm. see. Um, especially when you consider that this episode aired in, like, 2004. Sure. So that is especially nuanced because, from my understanding, most of the other, like, primarily gay content that was existing on television was, like, relegated to the HBO Showtime side of the world. Sure. 
So, like, they were premium things that you had to purchase in order to even glimpse those conversations. Well, and I was, I mean, we were both very young in 2004, but my cultural memory is that this is kind of about the time when bookstores really started to get hit hard by Amazon and online sales. So, like, this is, like, uh, um, this is, like, a current topic. Like, this is, like, hot off the presses. Like, bookstores are closing left and right. Right. And, I mean, this is, I think, kind of in, like, there was, like, a second wave of bookstore closures. Because first we had the, like, advent of Borders and Barnes & Noble mm-hmm. as, like, big box chains. But and Borders must have closed. Borders didn't close until 2010. You're right. Because I remember there was a Borders in Milwaukee for years that shouldn't have been there. Yes, because I, I went to a Borders closing sale when I was in college and, and spent some money. Yeah. But, yeah, so first we kind of had the wave of the, like, um, the Barnes and & Nobles and Borders taking over. And then Amazon came in and just fucked shit up for yeah. independent booksellers. And we're seeing sort of, like, a backlash to that now mm-hmm. where there's a lot of, like, buy local sort of. Sure attitude especially in cool hipster neighborhoods like the one where we live yeah um, there's there like, are so many bookstores in the city there's like four bookstores like in walking distance of our house like it's, not even like far like, walking distance like, no, like literally like around the corner it's like, insane chill walking distance it's super not, great like, walk there and be gross and sweaty by the time you it's get there. the worst time in my life to be broke uh, yeah, you really picked a shitty city to go to grad school in. Yeah. Because it's an expensive and lovely city. And you're like, but what if I decided to make zero money? What if I decided to make negative money? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. <laughs> like, it's like, well, I have enough to cover my expenses. And still I start paying for things. It's like, well. <laughs> this Christmas, everyone's getting, like, homemade gifts. <laughs> like, I'm just going to build, like, a little craft store in our apartment. You know, you have a long commute. You should really seriously consider taking up, like, a, a sort of crafting. I could just like start a, knitting everyone's you scarves. Knit, you could knit on the train. You I'm already gay knitter. enough. I don't need to start knitting, Tess. Come on. I think that maybe you'll get a boyfriend if you start knitting. No, not worth it. Okay, Missouri. and, over, and Literally, I- <laughs> I'm like, literally, here's my priorities. Like, getting a boyfriend... But, like, I don't want to have to knit to do it. I would rather die alone. Okay. Like, so, folks at home who can't see this because this is an audio production. This is an audio only? We haven't been recording this with cameras? Thank God, too. Because I have, like, a huge <laughs> pimple on my chin and I definitely have the flu. Oh, I didn't notice that before. Now I'm not going to be able to stop looking at it. It's so cute, right? It's so great. But for those of you who could not see the physical demonstration, he kind of did, like, a high to low uh-huh. scale. And the high bit was getting a boyfriend and the low bit was learning to knit. Right. He doesn't want to knit. I don't want to knit. It's not worth it. Like, if it's a condition on me getting a boyfriend, like, that's it. Like... What, you're just going to pack it in and call it your date? Yeah. Call it? Yeah, I am. You're done? Yeah, I I straight up am, yeah. You're just straight now? (laughs) Yeah, I'm just straight, yeah. (laughs) Well, you are going to have to kiss a girl for that scene. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just on the cheek. It's fine, listeners. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. He won't have to sacrifice his status. Grad school is really complicated. I'm experimenting a little. <laughs> um, I, I just think it's it's a weird episode. And it's 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 weird in a good way. Yes. I think it's it's the show stretching itself a little bit. Pushing back on those critiques that it's old and stale. Yeah. I mean, clearly not in time. Because as we know, it gets canceled next season. But. Right. But at the same time, it sort of a little bit feels like, I don't know, maybe they finally got some gay writers in the room or something. like. I mean, other than Max Muchnick, which... Like, he let's not get into that. But he hasn't been in the writer's room for several sure. seasons. So, like, they've... Not not the point. The point is that gays, they're talking about actual gay stuff. Um, well, but- it, is, it is funny because, like, 
the stuff that they do to save the bookstore is the stuff that bookstores do now yeah, to stay alive. They host events and right. do fundraising. But like then, this is really a cultural shift where like bookstores are really seen as like places you buy books for like a hundred years. Yeah, and then it's like oh. We can do more than this. And in fact, we have to to survive. Yeah. And so we sort of see this like minor crisis that Will has of like Jim versus bookstore. Uh And then he comes in with like the saving sweep uh, when they come in like $2,500 short on the the fundraising. So Will writes a check. But then we learn it's only for one month's rent. Sure. And like... And both Will and Jack are like, I'm sorry, this bookstore is now going to close. They just, like, bail. And, like, on the one hand, that is garbage. Because it's a cultural institution and they really should, like, actually commit to things. But on the other hand, like, Will cannot front $2,500 a month to keep a bookstore that he probably doesn't even shop at that often open indefinitely. Mm -hmm. So, there's... And that's part of a whole other conversation about the churning of gay culture as time passes them. I don't think we should get into today. But... But, I mean, it it makes sense. Like, you have these nostalgic feels for a place, but, like, if they're not financially viable in a capitalist society, they can't sustain themselves. Mm -hmm. Which, again, is a whole other conversation that we should totally not dig into. But someday we totally will. So tune into our sequel podcast, The Late Capitalism Hour, in which we critique (laughs) capitalism from the perspective of... Being gay, I don't know. We don't really have a good thesis statement for it yet, but it'll happen. The gay, ca- the gates capitalism. Um, no. Hmm. no, there's no good puns on capitalism. It's just awful. Capitalism. Okay, let's talk about Grace and Karen. Great, that's a great idea. Let's let's take away from me trying to make puns around penises and capitalism. Not a. Tune in next week. Not for a fruitful venture. For our new podcast, Penises and Capitalism. Now, see, that I like. That works for me. What do you think that that podcast would even look like? I know we're off track now, but now I need to know. <laughs> like, is it like half a critique of late capitalism and half like rate my dick pic before Tumblr got rid of porn? Like, I, I think you're right. It's just people putting their penises next to tr- like treatises and internet articles about capitalism. And then we rate the penises. And, and the articles. In an audio format sure. so that it is completely not satisfying across Shh. all venues. Just like capitalism and also penises. Oh, mood. Yeah. Okay, so Karen and Let's Grace. Let's talk about Karen and Grace. <laughs> so the title of this episode comes from this plot line. And we didn't get it described in the Hulu description at all, correct? We did not. So let's give a quick synopsis. That sounds perfect. So um, the long story is, the long story short is that Grace had agreed to take on a client because she's back at work. I don't know why she was off work. She was off work, but not important. So she's back at work now, and she took on this client who, when she had been hired, was single. And Grace was like, oh, this is so great to design for a single person because Mm -hmm. I am newly separated and my life is garbage. And then, lo and behold, the couple is really obnoxious pair of newlyweds Uh who are like, constantly kissing and it's like every time she interacts with them they just get grosser and eventually they like find out they're pregnant it's like it's it's a whole thing it's really nasty and so then we watch grace bail on the project and then karen bail her out yeah which is cool but also like this is a very contrived plot in a lot of ways and i wasn't super thrilled with that is like it's it's there's a lot of thematic sort of payoff for it, but the sure. actual accomplishment of that theme mm-hmm. is extremely convoluted. Yeah. This kind of feels like... I'm trying to remember if it was with Leo or if it was with um, Woody Harrelson. 
there was like a plot line where Will had a lot of interactions with one of Grace's boyfriends, and like all the interactions were really convoluted, but like eventually there was a huge payoff. Yeah, I think it was Woody Harrelson. I think it might have been with Woody Harrelson, but this is sort of like the same kind of confusion without the payoff. Really, sure. I mean, we might get the payoff later. But... Yeah, but it doesn't happen in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we sort of see like Grace just like I don't know, completely just like flub this. Like, sure. She she just can't get over herself, mm-hmm. um, or get past her own sort of like insecurity and. So then she t- she decides that she's going to tell the couple that she's not going to be able to do the project, but then expects to somehow be allowed to keep the deposit, which is... That's probably standard. No, not if the designer quits. You're not wrong. That might be If weird. If they fired her, I think she gets to keep the sure, deposit. Sure, sure. But either way, I mean, Karen just decides kind of impromptu that she's going to just design their apartment. Yeah, they sort of start picking her brain when mm-hmm. Grace, like, leaves in a tizzy of emotion because grace doesn't even explain to them that she's dropping the project she's just like bye yeah she just literally bails in the middle of a consultation which is a whole thing yeah well extremely unprofessional it's not like we ever thought grace was good at her job again it's implied that she hasn't been working and we don't have any reason to suggest why that might have been yeah um but karen like totally jumps on board and is like yeah, we can do this and we can do this. Here, let's look at my swatches. And then she throws a bunch of pills on the table. Yeah, she like, it's really actually kind of funny because she's describing different colors, like using the colors of pills. Like, like 100 milligram, uh, what did she say it she is? Was, she Not was, Viagra. No, Valium. Valium blue, she yes. She was like trying to like paint a nursery and she's like, oh, the sky, it's blue. Oh, what kind of blue? Oh, like 100 milligrams of Valium blue. Like, but it kind of works. Like, it does kind of work. I mean, she's been working with Grace for at least seven years now. Like she's picked up up on like what the job is sort of kind of it's like it's i think one of those things where when she wants to karen can be really really good Mm -hmm. but most of the time she just doesn't want to sure um so we see her decide to be good this episode and that's really interesting yeah i Um, mean it's it's giving her a good plot line in the wake of her having a romantic plot line for the first time on the show uh she's getting kind of a business or career plot line or or it's kind of more a friendship plot line to the end. I don't know. It's a, it's like kind of like a mixed bag of like Karen Walker business bitch and Karen yeah. Walker Grace Adler's friend. But Karen doesn't really get a lot of like Karen driven plots on this show. Yeah, which is slight sidebar weird because in the revival there are a lot of Karen plots where it's just Karen out in the wilderness sure. by herself. But this season I feel like this is building towards like some bigger rift in Grace and Karen's friendship. Yeah. And so eventually we reach the point where Grace arrives to tell the couple that she's not going to complete the project and lo- to find that Karen has already done so which like you yeah. go girl. Yeah, Karen apparently because she's uber woman like did the whole thing <laughs> in the like however many days Grace was waffling. Right. And it looks great. It actually looks like very stylishly designed mm-hmm. and so then the couple who owns the apartment are like very thrilled with this and they start thanking Grace. Uh-huh. And Grace takes credit for Karen's work. So when I was watching this, I thought that this was going to be like a classic Will and Grace setup where like Grace takes credit for the work and then later like apologizes to Karen and they all make good. Because it's a sitcom, so everything must reset at the end of the 22 minutes. Yeah, but I was really shocked when it did not then. Yeah, so that's sort of like the big payoff of this plot Uh so far 
is that Grace takes credit for it. Karen is upset and confronts her. And then Grace is sort of like, tough titties. That's how business be. Yeah, which is really, I mean, it's, it's almost out of character for Grace. A little bit, but like at... We've sort of see her, seen her be this kind of, like, selfish in regards to her work in the past, but it's normally been with Will. Yes. Where she's, like, exploited Will. Because wasn't there an episode where Will did design a room and she also took credit for it? No. I think you're thinking of... Remember Harlan? Yeah. You're thinking of the one... I'm thinking of Harlan. You're thinking of the time that she designed Harlan's room and Will told her it was bad, but then Harlan loved it. Right, 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 right. And he totally micromanaged it. Yes. God, I don't... I've forgotten about Harlan. Come back. Oh, no. I can, like, hear, like, the nostalgic music playing in your head and I can picture the thought bubble of, like, (laughs) all of the, like, three Harlan scenes that you can remember off the top of your head, like, playing. What a man. I will remember How come he hasn't come back in the revival yet? That's what I want to know. I don't know. And I'm... really missed opportunity. No, it's not. Please don't come back, Harlan. Please. Please don't. (laughs) Of all the things the revival does not need. Come back, little Harlan. (laughs) Stop it. Okay, but yeah, so yeah, we end the episode in this sort of really dis. Di- I don't, I don't, I don't know what word. Dismaying. I, was, I don't know what word I was trying to use there, but sure, we'll go with dismaying. We end on a it's very bad. It's bad. It's a bad note. Uh, Karen and Grace are upset at each other, and Karen quits. Yeah, I mean, what's that line she has? She's like, "I haven't cashed a single paycheck for years, and this is how you repay me." And it's like. Karen, that's your choice, but, like, also, you're totally right. Yeah, I mean, we, and that's sort of been, like, a recurring joke for several seasons on this show now that Karen, like, collects her paychecks in, like, a drawer. <laughs> right. And that's where they sit. <laughs> she just likes looking at them from time she's, to time. She's like, oh, it's my collection. It's like yeah. some people collect stamps, she collects a paycheck. But, like, it's, it's interesting because I wish that the plot line had come with slightly less surprise, like that it had been building for a while. Yeah. Like, it feels like it comes out of left field, but also it feels totally believable. I think that it maybe would have made some more sense if they had tied it into a comment that happened at the end of a couple of episodes back. Sure. Where Grace was all heartbroken about her divorce, and Karen reminded her that she was also going through a divorce. Sure. And so if Because that feels very one-to-one. Yeah, so if they had perhaps tied this as, like, a building tension that, like, Karen doesn't feel hurt or supported by Grace when she's doing all this stuff to her support her and then Karen feels as if Grace is taking literal advantage of her. Sure. But they they resolve that plot line. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. So so by having resolved the previous plot line when we get this one it does feel very jarring. Gosh, they really shot themselves in the foot on that one. Like they could have like left that unresolved and had Karen been like really sad about it. Like yeah. what were they thinking? They were thinking that they write a 22-minute sitcom and you must resolve all plots by the end of the episode. I guess, but like dumb. Duh. <laughs> is this actually 2004 that this episode aired in? Do we know that for sure? Or yeah. is it 2003? I'm pretty sure it's 2004. I'm just thinking about how, like, I think this is the year that Lost comes out. Oh, my God. Of so, course like, you're thinking about that. I'm just thinking about, like, how TV is changing and, like, how it's, it, it genuinely is a missed opportunity because, like, comedies are starting to do this. Not that Lost is a comedy, but also not that Lost isn't inherently comic at many times. Yeah, I'm looking for the original air date and... Hashtag Hurley. Shut up. Stop talking. Yeah, it says season seven is 2004 to 2005. Yeah. So, like, it 
it's like this really pivotal time period in TV where TV is changing in a really fundamental way. Yeah, because we're uh, approaching. Oh. Approaching. Good lord, Tess. We're approaching the brink of like peak TV. Sure. Um. But we're not quite there but yet. We're not quite there yet, and so it's like it's, I don't think anyone would call Lost peak TV. I don't think you get peak TV until it moves to cable. Yeah, but we're we're getting nearer and nearer to that point, and we don't get to peak TV without shows like Lost. Sure. So it's interesting to see this show kind of like monkey a little bit with the formula of the mm-hmm. sitcom and leave something unresolved and leave it unresolved without it to be continued because that's sort of like a hallmark of sitcoms is sure. when you leave something unresolved you do a to be continued and it doesn't feel like a to be continued it we do doesn't. actually have a two part episode coming up in a, I think two weeks yeah um, but this is not it the other thing that I'm curious to look at which I, I know the answer to but I want to confirm is that um how I Met Your Mother comes out next season, yeah. which is kind of considered like the sequel, the like the successor to Friends. Yeah, but actually, like, like not having watched Will and Grace live, it's kind of crazy to me that they overlapped for a year. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, also if you think about it, this is when the final season of Friends is airing. We're in this two- season right now. Yeah, we're yeah. like it, or rather, it might have just ended, but because I think that might have been two thousand three to two thousand and four. But so we're we're just after yeah. Friends because I think. Will and Grace kind of lives in this in-between period where it's like, it's technically, after, it's technically be- before and after Friends, kind of. A little bit. Well, it can't be not, before, I guess. Before. It must be after. Yeah, it... it but um, it overlaps. It overlaps. And it, the thing is, when you think about it, a lot of people refer to it as a 90s show. But it's this really show not. aired until 2006. Yeah, this is the final season of... Um, actually, it would have just wrapped, yeah, because May yeah. 2004. So it's... Like, Friends is a 90s show. Will and Grace really isn't. Yeah, Will and Grace is very much so an early aughts show. I mean, to be clear, as we have clearly laid out in several, several seasons worth of episodes, the early seasons are quintessentially 90s and Mm -hmm. in a very regressive way. Well, yeah, because the 90s didn't end until 9-11. But I think what we're finally starting to see with episodes like this is the show starting to evolve into a different time period. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe it's not a 2004 sitcom in the way that we kind of think of what sitcoms were like in 2004 mm-hmm. but it's certainly starting to move out of that pre 9-11 period yeah because one of the things that we have and by we i mean myself uh the royal we have talked about on the show is the fact that a lot of sitcoms in that time period didn't address uh-huh. the huge cultural shift that was 9-11 and so this is again it's not really addressing it but it right. is adapting to the time a little mm-hmm. and so we're i think as a culture getting a little bit more comfortable with uncomfortability. Sure. And so that's where we leave this episode. We're, we're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice. It's, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, it might always get resolved next week. God, we're such millennials that we're just like, it's nice to be uncomfortable. It is sometimes, though. <laughs> like, when you're watching a TV show, like, and it leaves you on a cliffhanger, like, it makes you want to watch more. Yeah, but that's not nice. It's kind of nice. I don't know. God, you need help. (laughs) (laughs) This explains so much about your upbringing and your mother. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Why don't I tell everyone where they could talk to me about my mother on social media? Does that sound good? Please do that. Um, So if you want to find us on social media, the best place to start is our Twitter handle. It is at notacoupleshow. Mm -hmm. You can also send us an email at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com or communicate with us on Facebook or Tumblr. 
And as you know from listening to this, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. Great. Well, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we got a bit meta and weird at the end there. But so trippy. I kind of liked it. Um, and hopefully you'll tune in next week for, for more of this shenanigans. Whatever. I'm All on a right. lot of cold meds right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next week. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. Bye. I like shenanigans. Those are good. This week's episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Meow! Les, you're eating so loud. This week's episode of Not a Couple was sponsored by Penises and Capitalism. Have you ever thought to yourself, hmm, what is the best overlap of things happening at the end of the 2010s? Why, penises and capitalism, of course! Tune in next week for our podcast where we unpack these things. And I mean literally.